When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coffee and Cream on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. Rogers shotgun, Dylan to his right. And he takes hands off to A.J. Dillon. Rushing his way inside the front to the goal line. And he piles into the North End zone. A.J. Dillon on an eight-yard touchdown blast. Rogers now in the shotgun. Dillon to his left, Jones to his right. Now Jones motions. Wide to the left, quick toss Jones, left side, gets a block from Watson, cuts it back, ends up, touchdown! The rookie with the block, Aaron Jones like a rocket, into the end zone, and the Packers lead it 23-6. to now, I know we're coming off a very disappointing game against Kansas State after a great week, and you know this game has a way of humbling you real quick, and you know I think after beating Creighton and having a chance to beat the number one, what is now the number one team in the country in back-to-back games, and then went down and did not play well, obviously, in Kansas City in a neutral site game uh, down there. So, you know, just got to find a way to bounce back, get that energy back, do, do the little things that have allowed us to have some success this season, get our identity back. Pour yourself a cup of coffee and cream Tuesday morning alongside Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers, back with you on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. We are happy to have you along this journey on Tuesday. DB, great to see you again. And here, I don't know if you can see the whiteboard in the background of my stream yard there. What do you got? Oh, you know I can't read. Uh, what's up, DB? Hey, hey what's buddy. up, DB? How are you, Shane? <laughs> so I walked in this morning, and Shane goes, "What am I supposed to say again?" Ooh, what's up, DB? Shane. I'm like, "Come on, man!" But he got it in. He said, "What's up, DB?" Hey, that's huge. See, that. Shane comes in handy. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like how very, having very the last name Rogers comes in handy on Monday night. <laughs> oh, I see you working when he's not running around like a chicken with his head cut off. Right. Sure. Hey, how about all that gray in his beard? I don't know if that was like excess snow because there was a little bit of a flurry but in that post-game interview i noticed i noticed a lot of gray starting to form in a rod beard no that i ar12 is getting a little gray man can you imagine playing in that offense sometimes it'll gray you up it, it, can you imagine having gray in your beard oh wow i do i have plenty that's why I, that's why i keep it trimmed low it's not very kind <laughs> ar you don't use just for men or anything no no i don't think i'll ever be that guy gray's fine I mean, no biggie. I don't, yeah, at least so far. No, no big, big deal. deal. Exactly, Doc. No You're a wise deal. man. Well, I don't know about that. I think I was one of the guys. I think I would bring, what is it, frankincense, mirror, and maybe a gold. little gold. How about that? I'll Did bring you one. say mirror, like your reflection, or myrrh? Myrrh. <laughs> M-U-I-R, correct? Myrrh, yeah. Okay. Did you is, say mirror, though? I don't know, Maybe. But you have to be careful because when you get on me about enunciation, 
from a guy that hammers names 98% of the time, I'll get you. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'll definitely get you. So you got to be careful which game you want to play. Well, and you know what? There's two today, so I probably should not have started with <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. I, I, it's like I tell you. You got to be able to take as good as you give. Yeah. And I, you know what? I, maybe I try to postpone this as long as I can. But uh, We're delaying, uh, the, delaying the inevitable. But no, let's let's get let's get through what people can expect for today. Uh, we'll, we'll hit on Nebraska recruiting right off the top. Uh, we will go into uh, a little bit of Omaha basketball as they began Summit League play yesterday. It's a good win. And then what's that? It's a good win. It is a good win. Uh, a healthy second half performance for that group. Talk a little Nebraska basketball as they participate in the battle in the vault today. And uh, we have some great guests lined up for the rest of the show. It starts with Bill Bender at 8 o'clock at 8.30, Robin Washington and Joel Lorenzi at 8.45. So uh, plenty to get to today, but let's start where I kind of regretfully uh, put myself in position to say some names. Uh, we'll kick off with recruiting. And DB, are you having fun deciphering Matt Rule's tweets? Because I am. <laughs> yeah, he is. Uh, we've kind of joked about that over the weekend. He he knows exactly kind of what he's doing. But what happened was, I think once folks started to play on the emojis, he's just going to let it ride. And uh, he's having fun with it. So far, his social media game uh, has been pretty elite. I, I think there's a method to his madness. His staff is kind of on board with it. And uh, I, I just think they're having fun. I mean, they're off to a, a really good start in, in 2023. I think they got three commitments yesterday. Um, addressed an edge rusher. You get an O-line. You get two O-line, D-line types. Uh, and so I think, man, I it's not quite as good as could be expected because you always want some more big guys but there's plenty of time so i'm not you know i'm not going to work in that absolute oh it's as good as you know, it's good it's been very very good and i think that they know that they've got they've got room to grow yeah i don't know how much text he's used in his tweets outside of emojis lately but i bet it's been a couple of days since he <laughs> has said one word on twitter yeah and and I, he's done a lot of retweeting there's i don't know so, about texting they're so aggressive um just in their style and what they want to do. Coop and Coach Rule called uh, Caleb yesterday, last you know, last night, and it's just they you know, they were just up at the school a couple of days ago. Foley's been there back to back days. They've canvassed the metro. They're working on the national scene. They uh I call him Coop, Coach Cooper. I'm gonna get out of that habit. Um I think uh people know who you're referring to when you're talking about the coaches. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. Coop's the only one that uh, I know, and I and I and I the only one that could go by Coop. I called Satterfield Sat the other day, and I'm like, ah, we're not quite there yet. Give me time, but I'm a nickname kind of guy anyway. At least if I like you, um, so it's just like you're you're coming off the official weekend. Um, you got a you had a lot of fellas in. I, I'm not sure when they're sleeping, but. I don't really think they care because they're getting ready to, to chop to chop up winter conditioning and, and how to get started with that, too, once the guys get back from school. So, man, they hit the ground running, and they're starting, they're starting to build their class the way that they want it. 
If you want to be involved on the show, give us a phone call at 888-638-4876 or hit us up in our comments where we stream on YouTube and, and Twitter and wherever else. You can find Hail Varsity Radio. That's where we are right now. Mark Medford chiming in, coffee, cream, and an extra shot of Shane this morning. So, <laughs> good on you, Mark. Hey, good mo- Shane, what are we rolling with for the hoodie today? What do we got? Oh, come on, Shane. You're sitting down. You know I can't see you. Uh, Omaha Lancers. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, hockey, hockey buff. Yeah. By the way, congrats hey, to your Blues. Hockey. Congrats to your Blues last night getting one done. Well, in, hey, convincing, f- in convincing fashion. Did you end up yeah, with a well, nickel spot? What's that? You end up with a nickel spot, five? Yep, and I went to sleep at the end of the second period. Yeah. I think Those 9.30 starts, man. I can't do it. Are you an old man? What? No, I just have to get up at five. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> that's, that, that's totally You, awesome. however, don't sleep, so you could stay up. Well, I wa- So I wanted to watch a little bit to see what was going on with what the, all the buzz was with Buffalo and the Golden Knights because I had a – I had a good buddy that swore up and down that Buffalo was going to win, and I was just trying to figure out what he was saying and who tipped him off. And sure enough, the Sabres upset the Golden Knights on the road. I was like, huh, he should probably go buy a lottery ticket. Now, I think the backup goaltender was in he for was. Vegas. He was. But still, a healthy fave. Hey, minus 160, something like that. Don't sleep on the Sabres. Tage Thompson's the real deal. Hey, and who would have ever thunk after getting rid of Eichel that and that debacle, that it would have gone the way that – I mean, could that have been handled any worse? Uh, no. So, I mean <laughs> – Well, maybe it could have. Yeah, again, another one of those absolutes. i got to give myself wiggle room. But I, it's like going back to Nebraska and they're, they're recruiting and just talking to a lot of the guys and kind of how it's transpired. And they, they, most of the guys keep saying the same thing. They like the energy and they like – I'm going to use the word authenticity. The young people say they keep it real, right? So, like, those seem to be the reoccurring things and you and themes, and you get that when you talk to the staff. Now, a couple of guys aren't as talkative. Coach Knighton, uh, we're still working on uh, old pot roast, uh, being a little more talkative. But a lot of those guys, man, it's just it, – it's, it's a competitive – competitive bunch and that's the name of the game when it comes to recruiting nowadays is sparking those relationships and keeping those relationships it's kind of the situation when you look at early signing period uh with that taking place tomorrow you take a look at malachi coleman the in-state number one nebraska uh, recruit out there and he's still uncertain about his status meanwhile he wasn't about a month ago because Nebraska had built that relationship with him, and now it's kind of starting back from ground zero. And I thought Matt Rule did a tremendous job of keeping his commitment. I would use the term warm uh, because it, I, I don't want to say red, hot, red hot, because I, I, I don't want to allude to anything or speculate. But uh, talk about just implanting yourself into that kid's brain right away. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think Nebraska's still in really good shape with, with Malachi. I don't – I'm not – I think they're going to be okay there. Um, an interesting one will be in Lincoln, the other one in Lincoln tomorrow with Benny Nagoi and what he wants to do. I know that Iowa State staff pretty well, really good at what they do, Coach Haycock and 
and and Matt Campbell and and company just really passionate about their role and he's been committed for so long so you know I told you 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 listeners out there I was a little surprised but pleasantly surprised to see him that following Sunday remember at the invite only deal I was like wow that's pretty impressive right you 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 called him immediately upon taking the job. You must you the the dialogue was going on all week. You get him there on the weekend. I mean, he was all smiles and well received. I was like, oh, they're gonna have a chance to make some inroads. So he will announce tomorrow. That one's gonna be interesting. You get Mason Goldman in the bag from Gretna, who I think I think he's pretty underappreciated. Um, yeah, speak a little bit to that because you've seen him a lot this year. Unfortunately, some a little too close, right? Um, and watched him over his careers. We've we've been in a few battles together with them, and and I told him I was joking with his dad a couple weeks ago. I said, for such a nice kid, he sure is mean spirited on the football field. Like he is, uh, you know, we cut up all these clips and and we're watching him just kind of mow guys down and finishing blocks and you know we told our guys listen if you don't want that to be you <laughs> you're gonna have to match his energy level because he plays hard and uh he was equally as good offensively and defensively and he's the second guy with Major Jack I think I'm saying that correctly um your guess is as good as mine that could, that I, I, when could I go it o- out, could, I went match Jack could, could match Jack is I'll take it could go O-line D-line as well but I think Goldman's going to lean towards O-line, but, um, you know, we'll see on that. But just a really good player. He's long. He plays with good leverage. You don't have to worry about his toughness at all. And I'm telling you, Drew Down, as sure as I'm sitting here, the best thing that I like, I, I think it's not a surefire indicator, but what I've seen over the last 25 years the folks that you don't have to babysit at the Power 5 level when they get to school give themselves the best chance to have success. And Mason Goldman doesn't need a babysitter. Um, I think he's committed. I think he goes about his business. He does his thing. I think he's competitive. And those are those are the kids that, that can function at a high level. You can't always need people to tell you good things and whisper in your ear and, and backpatch. You. Now, that doesn't hurt. Don't get me wrong. But you have to be able to gravitate and pass that when it, it's not going that way. And I definitely think that's a guy like Goldman. I, I think he kind of flies under the radar a little bit because of some of the other in-state studs like Maverick Noonan and, and – uh, and potentially Malachi Coleman and, and all these other guys that, that we talk about, Brock Knutson and uh, Mason Goldman's a really, really good player. Really yeah, it's been player. a great year for recruiting in-state talent and a little surprising, too, when you get a, a new coaching staff in there and, and just to see. Especially how- locally with a new guy, right? Right, yeah. Because they don't know, know any of these guys. Right. How quickly he, he, he sparked some sort of relationship with these kids. He's building a locally owned offensive line. You mentioned Goldman. Sledge is a part of that recruiting class. He's so good. You Gunner Gatala. You, you mentioned uh, Broccoli Cheddar from Scott's Blood, Scott's Bluff, excuse me. Um, and then you mentioned uh, Matchajack. 
and where he could lean. And I would venture to say that D-line probably puts uh, less competition in front of his face to where he could maybe find his way onto the football field quicker if he were to lean that direction over the ladder. But, uh, you know, it could get even better as the recruiting process goes on. But there are those names that you missed out on. There are those local guys that the old staff, um, you know, left a wound that couldn't be mended. And uh, you start with Zane Flores, and then you go to Ben Bramer. Uh, You mentioned Benny, uh, Cade McIntyre, Cade Piper. Like, there are other names out there. And, you know, you saw Travis Vokalek declare for the NFL draft yesterday. And not to say that there isn't a, a decent tight end core following Vokalek, but how about the loss of Ben Bramer now and a guy like Cade McIntyre now when you lose Travis Vokalek and you could have replaced him lickety-split? Yeah, that tight end room is going to be very, very interesting. And I think the thing that really spices it up is that that's Coach Satterfield's room. And uh, he'll work with those tight ends uh, along with being the offensive coordinator. So he'll get a firsthand look at, at, at what he wants those guys to do. And, and Borkature and a couple of these guys that have a little bit of experience uh, are going to have to really step up. We'll see what happens with Fedone and, and, and how he plays but uh, and what happens with his future there. But, yeah, they could use – just lost one to, to K-State yesterday that I know Nebraska was in the hunt for too. So I think, you know, like I said – and. These kinds of things, Andrew, it's not always going to be smooth sailing and you have some things that you've got to replace, but they do a really good job of, like you just take a look at the the charts and the scholarship distribution and where they are in each room. They're well aware um, of of what they need. Now they just got to go get it. And remember, this is just the early signing period they still got work to do and I said this yesterday and and I may continue to say this they can get their best offensive weapons until the middle of January last year and so there's still a lot of time for things to happen uh, over the next month and a half before February hits Excellent point. Our poll question of the day DB on the 15th day of portal miss Matt Rule sent to me you like that little I like that I like that Favorite commit. Is it Mason Goldman? Is it Jason Matchajack? I think that's what we settled on there. Um, or is it Prince Will Uman Mielin? Uman Mielin. I think I nailed that. Uman Mielin. And uh, right now, Uman Mielin is taking home 85 Well, well they're going to take the four-star edge rusher Drew down. Hey, but if you, if you take the Matt Rule approach here, maybe it's Matchajack or Goldman. Yeah. Um... I'm gonna have to I give don't. that some thought. You know what's you know what's kind of funny. You know who's been ridiculously quiet in this whole deal? Garrett Nelson. And what happens with a lot of questions uh, being asked on our show and beyond yeah. on social media? People wondering what's his status, what's going to take place. Uh, you know what? This is pure assumption, but I think he comes back to Nebraska. Wouldn't that be something? That'd be that'd be a heck of a shot case. in the arm. And how about this where, you know, and we kind of alluded to it the late last week or early last week when we talked about who I felt like the number one guy was that they needed to keep on the roster was Casey Thompson. Now, I know they've got – listen, they got Sims, 
It's fantastic talent. But I think Casey Thompson coming back um, and wanting to help these guys. Because remember I told you last week, he's a, he's a good teammate, right? Uh, sometimes he's, he's, so, he's such a good teammate. I think sometimes you look at him and you're like, are you real? Like, almost all your answers seem perfect. You're super measured. You got a little, to the good, Russell Wilson in terms of encouraging your teammates. Not over the top, like, let's ride. Um, I feel like you're talking about me here. It's just, he's he's got a good feel of transition and what's going on in the program I think he's a good sounding board for what was, what could be. He's got compare and contrast from the other school that he was at. Don't undersell the importance of Casey Thompson coming back to Nebraska. Uh, s- sneaky, but I think that's a. I think that's a. That's encouraging. I think that's encouraging. He knows. He knows this fan base. He knows this team. I know he he's got. He's got to get healthy. But man, like he gives you. He gives you comfort he gives you a little peace of mind which i think you always like as a coach well was it who are are we talking to yesterday um we were talking to Uh, one of our guests i can't remember if it was sam or uh you say it and i'll know um but what was the topic he he talked about how casey returning sam mccune coaching role sam mccune Sam McEwen yes. said Casey returning in a coaching role would almost be best for him, best for the team. And I thought to get a head start on that because you said he said he's ultimately going to be a coach one day. Yeah, that was, right. And that I was thought, Sammy wow, Mack. what a great point yeah. because everything that you just described there is a coaching mind. You you pluck that out of any any head coach's mind and and, and you you put it on paper and you can check every box in Casey Thompson's. Regard. Now, we'll see what happens with Hornsby, but if there are no more defections in the quarterback room, and that obviously is a, is a big if, how about the depth in the quarterback room right now with a healthy case of Tampson? I feel like Thompson? it's been like that, though. I don't know, man. <laughs> like, maybe, not, maybe not in regards to, like, overall talent. Yeah. But there, there's been a lot of bodies. That's a fairly that deep. People that's have a, been talking about even even just last year. That's a fairly deep quarterback room. Well, I see. I think kind of just the opposite, though, Andrew. Just because, you know, I, I felt like Smothers wasn't getting a ton of respect. Remember the pra- the media practice that people went to, and people were kind of hating. And I was like, ah, yeah, hold on here a little bit. You know, it's there's a lot to see. Some of that was situational. Um, we weren't sure because there wasn't a healthy Purdy. He didn't get any real full experience snaps until fall camp. We wondered what was going on with Torres. The curious case of Henrik Harburg. I mean, I don't know, like, from – we had names. But remember, we had the Beatrice Gunslinger and Senek that was, like, lighting up the world. And, I, and I'm being serious when I say that. I, t- I told this story kind of off the cuff. I was just – I can't remember what I was doing. I was down there to practice or something, and, and I was talking to Coach Joseph, and I was getting ready to – oh, I was picking up some credentials, and I was getting ready to leave. And uh, he's like, hey, DB, you got to watch this kid spin it. So, you know, it kind of s- stuck around, and they're getting ready to go to an up-tempo drill. And it was on a Wednesday because the very next Thursday I was at a, I was at a speaking luncheon in Nebraska City. 
and we were just kind of shooting the breeze, and they were asking me about the quarterback situation. I was like, hey, I don't I don't know poop from Shinola, but I'll tell you, yesterday I watched a guy throw a football that I thought was pretty doggone good, and I think people kind of looked at me like I was crazy because that was even before Michigan. It was the week previous. So I don't know. We'll see what happens, especially if this staff is team development, which is what we've been hearing. And I'm Team DB when it comes to stories because yeah, I don't know. you've got all the inside scoops. <laughs> I got nothing. Lead, I got nothing. That lead to people sitting on the end of their radio dial, DB. Hey, like, oh, give me more. Give we me call, more. We call this a tease, but I'll blow your mind here in a second when we get to Nebraska basketball later on in the show. Be careful. Be careful of the monarch. Whoa. I love to hear it. We'll be in. With more of that stuff next here on Hale Varsity Radio, it's Coffee and Cream. Coffee and Cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you on Coffee and Cream in the morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency, Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers, and DB had a great teaser heading into our first break of the show. And I'm interested to hear more about what you were alluding to, Damon. Well, you know, Nebraska's got one today. That, and it's weird scheduling, right, as they take on Queens. And you, you, you talk to a lot of people. You try to be places and see. And a couple of guys that were at the shoot-around yesterday for Queens were very, very concerned <laughs> about who Nebraska has scheduled for this one because it looks extremely lopsided on paper as a team that is scheduled is making the jump right from two to one D two to D one and <clears throat> but man that the on the lips of many are are one Mr. Die that plays for Queens, Kenny Die to to be uh exact. And this team is a in general in terms of the tempo, the pace and how they can score the basketball. They're put they're not calling for an outright upset, Andrew. But a team that I was told would run away with the summit and clearly be a thorn in the side of a lot of lower major conferences. How about that? Yeah. You're you're not wrong there. And um How about that? Well, you know, I'm an Omaha guy. <laughs> <laughs> You know me, you know me, but hey, uh, don't sleep on Queens. Yeah. As you said, don't sleep on them because they went 30 and four last season and made the D2 tournament. And they're, they're, Um, they're tempo. And I, I, yeah, I can't wait. Now I'm, I'm like, I'm like, huh, is this, are they going to take what we're seeing right here today? And is this going to be how it is tomorrow too, with actual opponents out there? This, this, this one, uh, it's got my attention. Well, if you have some time, I would highly recommend getting tickets to Battle in the Vault. Um, and not just for Nebraska Queens. S- sleepy crowd, though. No students. And Yeah, but, you know, for basketball fans out there, I mean, you're. it doesn't have to be the highest level of basketball to be entertaining. No, be I know. I, I get it. I'm just, I always, it's, it's weird scheduling without the without the student students yeah. on campus. No, you. You you hit the nail on the head there because this is this is Nebraska's last game before the holiday break, yeah. and then they'll be back in action with Big Ten play. But Hoiberg, as we heard in the intro to the show today, 
was hammering home identity. Yeah. And he said for the first time this season, his team was out-toughed, which I thought was kind of um, a, a crazy a crazy point to uh, pull what, out. Well, he said they point. got their blanks kicked. Correct. Uh, but, you know, he reminded his team, physically outplaying your opponent gives you a chance to win every time you step on the floor. Yeah. And so with this being the last non-conference game, team is 6-6. Six and six. You had a decent start to the year. It wasn't the hardest non-con schedule, but it also wasn't easy because you had to play Indiana and Purdue in the midst of your non-con. Um, it, it just hasn't been an easy road for the Huskers. You had Walker that missed the first five games. Greasel was out for the game against Indy. It, you now head into family time and Big Ten play with the potential of snagging a win. And then that sets the attitude that sets the tone to restart with confidence in conference play against Iowa. I think it's crucial that you come away with the win against Queens. Oh yeah, for sure. It's and it's too long to sit too. Cause that Iowa game is not to win the 20, 29th, maybe 29th. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, I don't know about you, but that's just too long to sit. That's what makes football made football tough for me like if you know unfortunately in in college it didn't happen a ton but you know coaching and otherwise you sit on a loss and the very next week man it'll I don't know you want to get back out there and run it back you just don't want to be spending time over the holidays man wanting one back so so go out on a good note here and embrace yourself for a highly competitive Iowa team and I don't know what the correlation in terms of talent top to bottom but i do know style of play seeing queens in this one will help nebraska for iowa because queens is going to get up and down the floor and they're going to get some shots up hey i also really enjoyed seeing her at sports put out an interview yesterday with noah shut uh the local kid from laurel concord coleridge and he won a d1 state championship at Pinnacle Bank Arena. So it was cool to see his tie-in back. And I was curious, and I didn't look this up, and I know Damon didn't look this up either, but are there any other local uh, high school kids from the area playing in this tournament? Do you have any idea? I'm not sure. I probably should have done my due diligence, but I'm not sure. Well, beside that, uh, you know, an exciting day for college basketball, and it all started last night even when Omaha opened Summit League play against Denver. Omaha predicted to be the ninth best team in the Summit. For those that don't know, there are only 10 teams yeah. in the Summit. And Denver was pre-ranked fifth, and they've had a good year. They started 9-3, and three, but the Mavericks led in nearly every statistical category. And it was, were, they were favored last night. The Mavs? No, Denver. Oh, yeah, well, that was I, – I, I think people, you know – looking at that game right out of the gate. Yeah, but here's the deal. Do you know what the line was? One and a half. It's a stinky. That what didn't, didn't. Exactly. That's why they took the 17-point tail kicking, especially in that second half where Nebraska got busy. Denver only scored, what, 28, 29 points? That that three-guard lineup with Nebraska playing a little bit bigger Boy, Jungers and, and and Sutton and company, they just, well, actually Sutton didn't shoot it really well. but <laughs> he's Not got, this game, but everybody else picked up the slack. Boy, I tell you what, man, they, 
that was that was a good win for Omaha last night, and and Denver's a program, and you know this from covering hockey. They're not short on fiscal resources. Like that's a big time program. It's always funny to see that you know people say, "Oh, I think Omaha can be like Denver in terms of in the summit." And I'm just thinking, man, I can't imagine those the difference in those athletic budgets, but I imagine it's significant. Denver spends money and they make money. I didn't see a win like this last year, DB. No, I'm with you. Covering Omaha, we did not see wins like this, but the the team that Coach Crutchfield was able to put together in year one and snag a win against Denver, not only just a win, but a 17-point win at that. You have a team that puts up 46 points at home in the second half in front of your home crowd. You set the stage for the rest of Summit League play. At least a little bit of a, at least a little bit of a, hey, we're here. They only turned the ball over eight times, 21 assists. Uh, and 34 bench points. Yeah. Hey. Well, I mean, a lot of that is Jungers who, and I keep saying this out of Omaha Creighton Prep, so much better than I think, and I'm not even going to say critics. I just don't think we appreciated his high school career just because I think we wanted him to be more dominant than he was at Creighton Prep. And I just think Coach Lutke does such a good job over there. It's it's hard to be a singular standout and, and like, you know, go for 25 a night because of the system that they play. But, I mean, Kyle, his son, was playing last night. A rope who's a prep guy getting big minutes, playing, you know, 15, 16 minutes last night. And Jungers, I mean, there's three Blue Jays out there on the floor and don't think relationships aren't important when it comes to recruiting because Coach Crutch and Coach Lutke have known each other forever. And that Creighton prep team is nothing to uh, shy away from when I, it comes to producing talent. So how about Denver shooting, and you'll know why here uh, in a second. Denver shoots over 50% from the floor, and they get beat by 17 because they turn the ball over 15 times. You can't win games when your turnover ratio supersedes your assist ratio. Yeah, negative, right? Because what they have for assists was uh, 11 or 12. Uh, let's do the wow. math. 11 or 12. Here. Yeah, 11, yeah, 12. Assists with 15 turnovers. That's not going to get it done. And when you, you know shoot, what? It doesn't help when your point guard turns it over seven times on his own. And how about White taking better care of the ball last night with just the three turnovers? Yeah, I say know, just, but... He's got to keep that number <laughs> lower than the four and five that it is capable of being sometimes. Uh, and he scored the basketball last night, too. He can be a handful. It's a big guard. Yeah, J.J. is is the missing piece from last season, I think, for this Omaha group. Yeah, if they he, were if looking he, for a facilitator. Yeah. They relied too much on Fiddler to do both, score the basketball and, uh, you know, get the offense moving. But they only had maybe second-tier players driving it, uh, you know, driving the offense. And, that, and now you finally have a guy, a true point guard, somebody that the offense can run through, and it just it, it, it creates magic on the floor, yeah, not happy. Crazy, too, with Fiddler's stat line. You know, quietly had seven assists, which when you're rebounding the way he did last night and you shoot it as well as he did, that's not a bad night for Mr. Fiddler on the roof. Going to be a heck of a guy if he can figure out how to get some easier shots in that offense when you get that good backcourt play. Hey, plenty to still get to on this show. Hey, do you want to play Take It or Leave It next? Maybe.
maybe i could we take still it have a leave it. i could take it yeah, yeah exactly we we might we might do a little tioli but uh, there's still a few more things on the recruiting side of things that we may want to hit on before we get there but that's next on coffee and cream both that i saw Matchacek say mm-hmm. yesterday i think it was yesterday maybe it was two days ago but then it corresponded to something tristan alvano said on our show from yesterday and here was Matchacek's quote. So I want people to remember this new staff wants nothing to do with the old, ex- excluding Donovan Rayola. This new staff wants to push toward the future. But for the second straight day, I've heard a commit say the old staff didn't give me an opportunity. And he added, but Coach Rayola was the guy that really liked me on the old staff, and he's the only guy left. But he said, I feel like this new staff has really built strong relationships with me in a short amount of time, and I'm really excited by what I hear. Um, And that was from Sam McEwen's article at the Omaha Mm World-Herald. And that first line, the old staff didn't give me an opportunity. Are we going to keep hearing that? (laughs) Well, I mean... It's alarming. Well... Let's and I know there's other options out there, and I don't want to place blame just because of that. Okay, but here, let me just give you context. You can agree or disagree, and I'm certainly not. Um, I'm not absolving the former staff of any criticism you may, you may, or the the listeners may want to levy. But I'll say it like this: It's the natural compare and contrast when somebody does something that somebody else didn't. It doesn't matter that it's the former staff and the new staff. It's just if you weren't getting something from somebody else and you got it from somebody else, you're just naturally going to say that comparison out loud. So what's happened is is if you're comparing new staff to old staff and you weren't getting the attention and you're getting it from the new staff and all of a sudden you're back in the fold, that's what you're going to say, right? I, I, it just – it, it it's it's it comes natural in I think the flow. You see it happen in relationships, right? You fall in love with somebody that swept you off your feet, and what are you naturally going to think? Well, nobody's ever made me feel like this before, right? I mean, that's just that's just kind of what people do. And when it's so fresh, and you're comparing staffs, you're just naturally going to feel like that if you're getting something from someone that you weren't getting from someone else because not everybody's going to have that same opinion, but it's, 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 it's kind of low hanging fruit when folks weren't in the mix at one point and are now in the mix. I mean, you're going to hear that from Benny, right? You're going to hear that from Tristan. You're going to hear that from, from Matcher Jack because it's, it's different. You now you'd get a very different feel from like, let's say Maverick Noonan or maybe even Mason Goldman or, or somebody like that that has, was being heavily recruited and, and is still being recruited. So I, I think it, that needs context. Yeah, well, talent was neglected, though. Like, yeah, I, I don't discount I, I that. I don't want to cover that. Uh, no, yeah, I don't, I don't discount that at all. Right, I, I you told bring you, up a good point by I, saying your, your examples there. I do. I do listen, I mean, there's, there's no question, right? I mean – Flores is the easy one. Um, you know, you got Peeper at Norfolk Central or Norfolk Catholic, um, who I think a lot of people like. I did. We we had those guys in the state finals. He's awful good. But um, there there are there are a lot of those guys. I mean, sometimes people talk about Vince Genitone, who is uh, at Montana, and it's just like, 
or or McIntyre that you brought up earlier, uh, a very gifted family who's going to Oklahoma. Uh, and Oklahoma made that move in like three weeks of recruiting. I mean, they just – I mean, full court press and bam, right? And, and McIntyre, I think, was the guy that really wanted to go to Nebraska. So I get that, right? I mean, but I told you, I think one of the things about this staff – did I like because it's a lot like <laughs> I like it because it's like me. That's kind of what I'm saying. They're not afraid to say like, hey, we've made a mistake or hey, we really like this because I'm one of those guys that's pretty much always going to tell you how my feelings are, even when they're hurt, right? Like, hey, you know, I'm kind of a baby. I'm the youngest of five or hey, that like that bugged me, right? That, that hurts my feelings. Like I'll say those kinds of things as much as I'll say, hey, you know what? I love you. So I like when grown-ups can do that because it lets other people know where they sit. And when Coach Rule, who's a tough East Coast kind of guy and kind of knows nonsense, when he says to me, you know, the Zane Flores deal breaks my heart. It shouldn't have happened like that. See, that, that I hear that and and, you know, just kind of knowing the family. And I'm using this because it's not going to, ultimately I mean maybe it'll pay dividends down the road I don't know but I'm saying hearing that I I go back and I say to (laughs) to Zane's dad hey I'm not trying to put any unfair pressure on you I I know you guys are happy you're it's all about loyalty it's this I said but I haven't heard this from another adult in a long time like it's just kind of rare and it's like Hey, let's talk. Whoa. You, you sure? Can, can I give him your... You know what I mean? It's like when people, when people are honest like that and they tell you how they feel about a situation, it's disarming, right? It's like, oh, okay, this regular person. I need Power 5 coach, great program, storied program, and wow, this is really bugging you, huh? Or when he says something like, hey, you know what? I can't. I just got off the plane with Coach Satterfield from Missouri. You should have said that you were coming to Omaha. Oh, I, I didn't know I was coming to Omaha. We just stopped here because we couldn't let Coach Foley get all the cred. He's kind of serious. Right? Like he's, it's, it's not going to be just Coach Foley's town. It's going to be their town. Do you, do you, you know what I mean? So I, no, I, I just think that's just a lot of what what they're going to do and I think a lot of what they're good at. That's why the, sta- the staff, I think, has got to look a certain way. If you're not about that energy, man, you might have to go find something else to do. Yeah, despite the quotes that I've been seeing, I doubt you hear anything like that um, by the time uh, Matt Rule retires in 50 years because he carried Nebraska to 50, greatness. 50, 50 95 <laughs> years old, Coach Rule is going to be rocking like three rings and a couple Big Ten championships. We need more than three. Well, we, we just We're need – we haven't had one in 20. Can we start – We're doubling history, DB. Baby steps, man. We just try, let's, let's win the West first. And by the way, speaking of which, you see what like UCLA and Michigan – some of these teams – Michigan is killing the portal. Mm-hmm. Uh, UCLA is getting guys to flip. SC is going to keep doing their thing. 
Say what you want about the West. If we get rid of divisions in the Big Ten, how competitive is this bad boy going to be? Right. Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, you hit the nail on the head there. And I we'll talk to Bill Bender next on the show a little bit about some of that stuff because as early signing period approaches for tomorrow, uh, there have been a lot of flips, and I would say we're going to see a lot more. Yeah. I'm, I, you know, I'm going to ask him about the NCAA new president because – Baker's going from governor to to the NC. It's like, I, I in the back of my mind, Andrew, I'm wondering, is the NCAA playing chess and we're all playing checkers? They want the government involved, so they get a government guy. I I gotta know if there's if that's intentional. Hey, you know what? Matt Rule plays chess all the time, so maybe chess is a good thing. Man, what doesn't he play? Lawn darts, bags. He's He's just okay at ping pong. He plays with our minds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the emoji thing. Will Compton tweeted at him yesterday. I don't know if, if Coach Roy answered or not, but, I mean, it, he's got Danny Woodhead tweeting at him. I mean, he is, he's, gather, he's gathering some momentum on his Remember social media. Remember the food tweet when he just took a photo of his lunch tray? Yeah. <laughs> like he was a, in the high school uh, lunchroom? I think, well, yeah. So that resurfaced yesterday when Prince Will – Committed. Yeah, because right. he was, I think it was African cuisine. It was, but that food was courtesy of Lady T's Kitchen in Austin, Texas, yeah. which is Prince Will's mom's place. <laughs> <laughs> he knows what he's doing. Oh, my goodness. He, I mean, checkmate in eight. Yeah. That, hey, that is a good point, though. Crafty. Shane, how come we don't have the Beastie Boys queued up in the system? She's crafty. You know I like the Beastie Boys. That's, yeah. that's my jam right there. License to ill, Shane. License to ill. Or no sleep till Brooklyn. They recruiting in Brooklyn today? When's the dead period? It's coming up, right? Our dead period or theirs? Uh, recruiting. Because yeah, you're going to sign and then you have to chill and then you get the whole February run again. So now I think with the portal, it's back in vogue that if you if you don't if you don't sign early, because remember the last couple of years with the early signing period, if you don't sign by December, man, you might not be very good. <laughs> now it's like, eh, let me just take my time. I got choices. February may start to be important again, especially with the portal. Well, there's a lot of things still to hit on, and I know we have a, a jam-packed hour of guests coming up, but you know, DB. We'll we'll send him to Morning Dump when we talk about this because you sent me something uh, just out of the break and, and you heard Coach Booth put her takeaways on the ABCA Volleyball Convention. And, uh, you know, she says we're at a crisis point when it comes to officiating. Yeah. And it's not just at the volleyball level. No, I get it. And, and, and she, used, thought, she used the word crisis. And crisis is a big word. It's a big word. That's a big word. That's a big word. It's a big word. But, but I'll tell you what, man, you know, you look at that and you think, oh, my gosh, there's correlation in the NFL. And, oh, my gosh, there's correlation locally College as well. So yeah. I think we should premise this. When you turn to morning dump by show's end, that's what you're going to get. A little <laughs> DB and I talking a little bit about officiating. And also, we didn't get to Tioli, take it or leave it here. So maybe we throw that into the morning dump. As well, but when we come out of break, we'll speak with Bill Bender of Sporting News. He's next on Coffee and Cream. Coffee and Cream on Hail 
Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. We are back top of the hour here on Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers, and we appreciate you joining us. We have Bill Bender nearby, DB, right? Yes, yes, we do. Bill Bender on the phone, national writer for Sporting News. You can toss him a follow at BillBender92 on Twitter. Bill, thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing this morning? Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me on. Hey, good morning, Bill. Bill, you know, it's hard to get excited about bowl games. I know we have a lot of bowl games ahead of us today and uh, toward the rest of the year. Uh, with NFL draft declarations and, and portal transfers, you kind of have no idea who's playing anymore. And, of course, we all understand uh, the, the various opt-outs. But do you think it's good for the sport to see all of this? I still watch the games anyway. I, I mean, you got Frank Gord Jr. running for – 300 and some yards the other night. You got a uh, uh, Marshall-UConn game was fun last night. I'm, I'm going to watch as much as most, most of I can, as much as I can and uh, not, not really worry about it. Bill, when you're talking about um, – and because and, I'm with you, I, I'm going to watch uh, just because it's, it's football and I watch all <laughs> levels of football. But yeah, the NCAA kind of passed a little bit – I felt like it kind of flew under the radar where if if a if a redshirt freshman has played up to four or if a redshirt freshman has played up to four games that the bowl game will not count against that particular player if it's a if it's makes it over four and lose a year of eligibility how important do you think that could be for some for some of those kind of fringe guys the coaches want to keep happy and can offset numbers of guys that opt out. I'm all for it in the Bulls and in, in the postseason you're you should be allowed to have that extra breath. You know, and some people like I always say, Bulls mean something different to everybody. So for some of those rosters, like you said, that had a bunch of opt outs or guys go to the transfer portals, um it gives them that extra bit of experience, and um, I'm good with that. Bill, the early signing period has everyone's attention already, but I think a lot of people, uh, at least me, are monitoring Coach Prime and his big splash ability. Last year, it was Travis Hunter flipping his commitment. Do you foresee anything like that happening again tomorrow? Because he's kind of flown under the radar right now, just placing his recruits in front of Lambos uh, with Louis Vuitton bags. Yeah, he made a big splash, obviously, last year when he was able to get Travis Hunter. I'm sure they'll flip a guy or a two. Um, it's, it's very interesting. I don't want to say experiment. I just want to see how it goes. Um, I think Deion Sanders will have success in Colorado. I think he will recruit well at Colorado. I don't know how long it's going to take is the big question. Because, as I said, uh, most people are going to have their mind made up about him anyway. But how does Twitter and social media and the fans and haters react when they go 5-7 and seven next year? I would say that's probably a success. <laughs> Let me ask you something before we get back into college football. Now let's stay here with it for a second before I get to the NCAA because you may go off on that one for a while with Governor Baker and that decision. But, Bill, as you're kind of looking at ramping up towards 
Um, the holidays and the Bulls, the college football playoffs. We know that expansion is coming. Are you surprised or kind of just status quo that expansion is coming without a whole lot of conference uniformity first in terms of non-con games and scheduling, uh, et cetera? That's a good point. I, I was wondering if they would uh, have uniform schedules, have everybody – play eight games or nine games in, in conference like the Big Ten does. Um, but not surprised that they're expanding. I mean, they, they were barreling toward this, and uh, it, it was one of those deals where I think you're going to have more games, more teams involved, more money, more interest, all those things, and they couldn't pass it up. Bill, before I let DB pepper your brain about um, new um, Governor Charlie Baker – um, I want to ask you this. With how college football is structured today, the top teams tend to draw the best athletes while uh, the smaller programs more often than not lose some of their superstars. That's just, you know, the nature of the nature of the beast at this point. Uh, knowing that based on how this year finished, who'd be your biggest dark horse team to make some noise tomorrow? You know, I, I think, well, Colorado would have been one answer, but I mm. think it's just, you know, Texas continues to do well. I, I think, you know, I don't really have a team that I think would, like, rise up the board because most of these guys are uh, signed anyway. But, I mean, just the, the Texas overreaction to Arch Manning and having everybody that's come around him is going to be pretty significant. I think Alabama did a pretty good job of striking back and uh, you know, you look at how many five stars they have, uh, they'll probably be ranked number one. And, and there's a lot of, there's a little bit of angst here in Columbus with Ohio state, yeah. not on the, I mean, normally they're one, two, three, but the Riola decommitment, some of the other things that have gone on since uh, the Michigan loss has, has really kind of, it's like, it's almost like they're not in the playoff because 50% of this fan base right now is not real happy. So it's interesting. Let me stay right there before we go global. I fib. Let's ask one more. Because Michigan doing work in the portal, um, they don't appear to be going anywhere. And I feel like a couple years ago, you and I were talking in my in my former life, and we were asking about Harbaugh and the flirting with other jobs and what happened post pandemic. And all he's done two years later is when back-to-back Big Ten championships. You said he's not going anywhere unless he wanted to. You even said that then. Safe to say that uh, everybody, <laughs> that, it, that it played out the way that, that, that the folks and, and Manuel, uh, their athletic director, saw it working out at Michigan with Harbaugh because they're not going anywhere. No, they – I heard Joel Klatt talk about this, how they're basically running – the Harbaugh offense that he ran at Stanford and, and with the 49ers, they got back to who he was on both sides of the ball. And um, they dominated the Big Ten the last two years. They, that was significant to win in Columbus because they hadn't won there since 2000. And kind of like the way I've been putting it is they're really not scared of Ohio State anymore. They're, and that's been a long time since you could say that, where they, they were not intimidated. J.J. McCarthy wanted that game. They grind you down. I mean, you guys saw the Nebraska game. It it didn't, on the scoreboard, it didn't look 
football, but I mean, if you watch that game, it felt like they won sixty to nothing. Yeah. With Governor Baker taking the job with with the NCAA, and we've been joking all morning, Bill, Andrew, and I about checkers and chess with a variety of things. I know it doesn't seem like a great job on the surface, right? We got a lot of cynics. Did the NCA get it right going with government considering they want Congress to get involved anyway? I would say give it a fair chance because you can't say, well, he doesn't have experience because, well, what NCA president has experience with NIL, with the transfer portal, with how much money's coming off college football expansion, with dealing with the rising cost of buyouts. I have a story about those today and yeah. how absurd those have become. Um, so I think getting a guy with that kind of background, and yes, he hasn't been in the NCA, but he, does, he did play. He's been in big business, big government, and uh, that's what the sport's going to require in the next chapter because there's so much more money coming in. So I'm going to give it a fair chance. And like I said, I was saying – somebody yesterday is like you remember the president before mark emmer he was like do you remember miles brand and i was like does anybody ever go around like trashy miles brand today i was like no because they don't remember who he is when you're talking about and i'm curious to see the article uh today bill so i'm glad you gave our, our listeners a heads up because it is i asked a question yesterday about the transfer portal and deadlines and you know should there be restrictions on when you can come and go and the reply was well no you have to be careful because coaches don't have restrictions on when they can come and go and when it gets to be a little bit of hypocrisy people are going to be upset is this exorbitant number of buyouts and those numbers bill is that simply about supply and demand or is there truly a crisis in terms of college football of who can coach and who can't yeah, I think I, it's they're a little out of control. As uh, I talked to the head of the Knight Commission and Amy Perko, and she pointed out that buyout numbers have tripled since the beginning of the college football playoff era. And remember, we a couple wow. months ago we were loosely talking about, well, will Texas A&M pick up that ninety million dollar buyout? And if they <laughs> did, that would have been a travesty for the sport. Like that's what I'm talking about. Like. Uh, $15 million buyouts for Scott Frost. Now they haven't said what was paid out. Um, Brian Harzen. I mean, those are just – the, the larger those numbers get, the worse it's going to be for the sport. Hey, Bill, when speaking of Nebraska here, uh, Malachi Coleman is the number one recruit in Nebraska, was all in on a hometown team before Matt Rule was hired. He decommitted because the relationships weren't there anymore with the program. Now, lots of players are relationship guys, and Matt Rule still has found a way to keep his team and their name in the mix. But how important are relationships nowadays for these athletes, or have they always been important, but we're just kind of hearing more and more about it now? I mean, I guess that that would be a case-by-case question. I mean, for me, if if my son were good enough to play in any of these sports, yes, I'm going to want to know who the coach is. I'm going to want to know how the program is. I'm going to want him to want – Not, and it's not about me. I would want my son to be comfortable with those coaches and have that relationship. So, um and that end of it. And when a coach changes and the relationships aren't there now, 
we do live in the portal era and uh you know recruiting has changed a lot i just can't imagine with the portal and recruiting you know my son for example if he was a five-star recruit without having those relationships and having a comfort level at the campus and Mm. that's something that i think we all forget bill before we let you go uh be remiss we are you? Is it Georgia and everybody else, or is there something you see brewing that we better keep an eye on once the the CFP starts? I mean, Georgia's favored, but I mean Ohio State. There's a ton of NFL talent on their sideline too. So starting with uh, Marvin Harrison, who looks like he could be a Man. thousand yard NFL guy now, um, <laughs> which is ridiculous. But uh, yeah, I think Georgia's going to be tough to beat in that first one, and then I think Michigan will beat TCU. So then you get Georgia and Michigan, and we'll find out what's different from last year and when Georgia won 34-11. And, and to me, it starts with Michigan's offensive line. Can they actually push Georgia around? They couldn't do it last year. That entire defense went to the NFL. <laughs> so uh, can they do it this year with a very good offensive line and kind of like what we were talking about with the Nebraska game, make it a boring, methodical win? Bill Bender, we appreciate your time this morning. Thanks so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. Hey, thanks so much. You guys take care. Thanks, Bill. That is Bill Bender. Catch him on Twitter at BillBender92, national writer for Sporting News. And check out his uh, buyout story that is coming later today. Now, DB, you know, we we touched a little bit on Charlie Baker, but I wanted to to run this by you quickly uh, because you know when you when you look at somebody with no real college background, um, you you talk a lot of politics now mm-hmm. because you grab you know a former governor and um, or is he the current governor? I don't know. I don't current. know governors in the U in the U S. So the current governor and he didn't run for reelection, so um, that term ends on the fifth. Right. So. Thank goodness we have you, our, our history buff over there. It has to be all centered around NIL, though, right? And so that you can, like, come up with, like, legislative solutions when problems arise. I think it's all about – I yes, uh, that's the short that answer. That could be a piece. But I think, it, I think it's all about whether you want control at the state level in terms of how to regulate the money or do you want – one great big governing body because I think all the to-do about NIO when it first started was how are you going to control and regulate the money? Who is doing the taxes? Uh, how is the government going to get their cut? Are, are kids filing on their own? Like there was all those kinds of answers. And I think when the NCAA first was were kicking around the ideas of name, image, and likeness, they were hoping the government got involved, right? Because I don't think they wanted that on their watch. They clearly don't. So I think they invited chaos down the stretch. And the government is going to see, hey, there's a lot of money changing hands. How can we get involved and regulate this deal so we can get our cut? And I think ultimately that's where we're at. So is is he just a placeholder then? No, I think – Because, like, where does the power fall? Does it fall on – you know the commissioners, the Power Five commissioners, to well, be exact. Well, I think it's I think it's a lot like the NSAA here, right? Where they're work they're working for the chartered schools, and that's what really the NCAA and the president is doing. Is they're supposed to be working in conjunction with the schools, 
And so he's that's who that's who he should ultimately be working for. The problem is is when you have that many schools, that many universities, that many institutions, how are you supposed to operate on everybody's be- at everybody's best interest? Right? What what's going on at Southern Cal isn't the same as as what's going on at Dartmouth, right? It's it it's just not it's difficult. And so that's where you get into the one great big governing thing versus Man, how can we control this at the state level, too? You know, we can be critical about all of this. And uh, I know I tease that we'll probably get into this in the morning dump, but why not now? Because as I'm sitting here being critical on certain things, I want to hop back on that point uh, from Coach Booth talking about uh, being at a crisis point when it comes to officiating DB. And, um, you know, She'd know better than anybody when it comes to volleyball, but, you you know, you've seen it, uh, whether it's at the high school level or watching it at the NFL level, and you've even seen college basketball officiating, um, you know, kind of dwindle down to to dust at this point because there aren't that many bodies out there anymore. I mean, how many games can Higgy and and Kip Kissinger and those guys work, right? Three or four games a week for college basketball officials is tough. You see what's going on in the state uh, with football in terms of, officiating crews, the NFL, I mean, goodness, like it is, I've never seen more, and I don't think this is hyperbole, I don't know, you can check me if I'm wrong, but does it not seem like, I just look at some of the Twitter accounts, bad sports officiating, bad umpire, you know, there's all these these Twitter accounts. And they started parodies, but now it's starting to become a reality. Like, is it, it seems like it's at an all-time struggle and I think a lot of it is because we don't have enough people doing it I don't think it's like a lot of bad guys that are bad at their jobs I just think we're stretched so thin and just for here to hear the word crisis and the reason she got I'm glad you brought her up because the reason coach Booth got my attention is because she sees it at all levels right Reese who's at Elkhorn North uh, was playing at is at the high school level, so they just came through the AAU circuit in terms of volleyball, and and then she sees it at the high school level. And her mom, Coach Booth, obviously coaches at the collegiate level. We've heard Coach Cook talk about it, where just folks are. How many replays were there and challenges did we see in in volleyball in just the Final Four, right? So when she calls it a crisis. It got my attention because she sees it at all levels, from the itty-bitties to the older. And I'm like, I don't know, do we? I just listened to four segments yesterday on the Giants and the Commanders officiating and whether Terry McLaurin should know how to line up or not. (laughs) Right? It's like... I I go back to the acknowledgement factor there, though. Yeah. acknowledged. But the thing about it is, Andrew, when... When ga- I hate to say it, but when gambling and money is involved, yes, you go, Damon. You cannot have. That's what I think draws people's ire. When after the Donahue scandal in basketball, Andrew, I mean, people are gonna be on I'm high alert to make sure that officiating you. is. You can't is have on, your hand on the flag the whole time. Is on point can't. and but you people just notice have, things. You have to have enough bodies to be able to do it. People I mean, notice things. Do you, do you know anybody? Andrew's like, hey, man, I'd love to be an official. Uh, well, so you, you bring up a great point there because I used to be an official. And you, you're like, it just doesn't seem like a lot of people are doing it anymore. And the reason for that is 
one, uh, the critique that you get from the fans, right? You get berated all the time, whether you're at a high school game and you call a travel and it's game's close and you swing the tide. And some people think, uh, you know, you were a little more, um, you, you may not have gotten the call right. And, you know, you, you take on threats. There have been numerous times, numerous stories that I've heard. I've never taken on an actual threat. Uh, I think I felt I was pretty good at shutting things down. But there are times where uh, there are young kids that come in to coach at you know the youngest level, a third grade basketball game, and the fans are threatening to fight them in the parking lot at game's end. Mm-hmm. And this is CYC basketball we're talking about. This is a Christian school basketball. And people are coming at young fifth, sixth grade kids that are just out there to, you know, make sure the game runs, right? If, if you want to criticize officiating, get your bum out there and do it yourself. This game wouldn't run without officials. So I am on the official side more oftentimes than not. But when they are so apparent in cases as you were bringing up, especially at the NFL level, and you bring gambling into the picture mm. and all eyes are on officials to get the plays perfect and call the plays correctly, that's where you know I, I sit back and try to drink a glass of humility and think – Whose side am I actually on now? Yeah. Like, am I on their side when they're at the youngest level because it's just kids trying to learn, kids doing a job? But when this is your actual job, when you are wearing the zebra stripes on the football field or you're calling the highest level sporting events at, at you know, volleyball championships, you have to get those right. You have to be, you have to. you have to pass with flying colors when you take these tests and you have to have the best vision possible. But how do you get people to join it? Because yeah. you're starting at the lowest level and you're killing kids' dreams to even still be around the sport if they you know, can't play anymore. They because did. being an official is a full-time job. I know a lot of people do two jobs at the same time and cover college and high school games. But then it, once you progress further and further on, that becomes your full-time job. But you're not going to get those, those spots, those slots filled anymore when you're killing uh, the the young kids of our generation at the lowest level. Hey, so did it catch you off guard when she said, Coach Booth, she's like, hey, be, basically she's like, be kind, right? And I, the re, I'm telling you, the reason it struck is just because she's such a good person, right? I get that. But she's asking other adults to do basic adulting things. And she's almost making a plea. That's really what – it's like, what are we doing where she, she's got to do that? Do you know what I mean? I'm with you. I mean, it, it just comes down to getting the call right. But at the same time, <laughs> maybe – Hey, just get it right, man. Just get it right and we'll behave as yeah, parents. But you can't you say that. Hey, kill him with kindness, though. You said the word kindness. Think about how far that goes with an official, how long of a way that goes. I'm not saying officials then side with your team, but maybe you get a call or two because you're treating them with respect. You're not just coming after them and, you know, ticking them off, for lack of a better term. I get it. I get it. We need we need numbers, man. A lot of my buddies do it. Like, I could probably list you 15 guys that are officiating and, and a couple of ladies, for that matter. And man, it, it's I know it's hard for them. 
That, that's for sure. A lot sure. of times, too, it comes down to confidence. Yeah. That's all I'm saying, being confident with your calls. Hey, l- let's move on here. Uh, we'll talk to Robin Washett next, Nebraska senior team writer for Husker Online. He's next on Coffee and Cream here on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. With Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you on Coffee and Cream in the morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers. We've hit that 8:30 mark, and that means it's time to bring in, bring on, I should say, Robin Washett, Nebraska senior team writer for Husker Online. Robin, what's up, man? What's happening, guys? Well, that was kind of lackluster. What's up, Robin? What? What's now going? You what, know. What's going on, guys? <laughs> trying to make it through, uh, make it through the week here. The weather. Well, you think you've had a you've favorite. had a busy time or something? <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm just taking one hour at a time here. Hey, hey so I, in all honesty, though, hopefully you don't have to travel far for whatever the reason. We play in Can. Caleb's high school team plays in Kansas City today. Tomorrow. They moved the holiday tournaments up a day. Are you a weather weenie? Because I know I am. So, And full disclosure, I couldn't care less if people think I'm a baby. But do you believe this storm is actually coming? Um, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. But, oh. <laughs> uh, I, don't like, I don't like change things way in advance. But uh, I've been stuck in some – so you remember years ago when the – Metrodome in Minneapolis, the roof collapsed. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was going up there. I was, the Giants were playing the Vikings up there, and I was going up there to hang out with my buddy and go to that game. And we got, like, as we were driving, when we hit Des Moines and hit I-35 North, uh, <laughs> and that was, like, right when the snowstorm was hitting. And so I had, like, a strip of visibility on my windshield that I was just looking at the taillights in front of me. That's all I could see. And basically from... Ames to Albert Lee, that's all I could do. It was like 20 miles an hour total white no, knuckle. No, so no, no, no way. Those experiences have you know, taught me a lesson or two where uh, I don't want to do that again. So I'm a little more cautious than I used to be. And that was like 12 years ago. So you couldn't have been like, and I know you're not a, a kid, but like, man, you, that didn't, how's the driving experience since then? Much more mature and savvy? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So um, <laughs> it, uh, it it was one where, you know, again, you, you, you learn lessons in life, especially in, in your youth to where when you get older, those experiences make you a lot wiser. Don't follow the Giants? <laughs> oh, hey, they won that game, by the way. Uh, they played that game in Detroit, and they beat them in Detroit. So there. So there, DB. Yeah, take that. <laughs> hey, that's a, that's a great win for you guys uh, the other night, too. And, and I know what everybody says about the officiating, and it's whatever, but is this – there's no way after – well, at level, what point were you surprised? The, the two-loss start when you got off to the good start, when you hit the skids, and you're like, these are the Giants, or now you're like, hey, playoffs, here we come. I thought they were going to win like seven games this year. And so they've already superseded my expectations. And so they, uh, um, you know, they're, they're in a good spot. That was a huge win. And you can say all you want about the officiating. <clears throat> there's plenty of instances in that game where, uh, I mean, there's a, 
play where Richie James gets literally tackled from behind running mm-hmm. a route yeah. that doesn't get called. Um, you know, there was a, uh, a holding on the final play where Thibodeau gets uh, an illegal hands of the face. The hand goes up and under his face mask. So none of that was called. I don't see anybody complaining about that. <laughs> and a couple years ago, uh, if you remember, the Giants were called for a phantom offsides on Dexter Lawrence on a game-winning field goal try that was wide right yeah. by Washington. And he wasn't offside, and they got to kick it again and win the game. So I feel zero sympathy <laughs> for the commanders or whatever you want to call them now. Oh. I, I wish I wish we we would have gotten another try in Chicago after Cody Parkey double doinked. Yeah, I do too. Every time the Eagles lose, it's a good day. <laughs> right. Hey, Robin, uh, I asked this to DB right off the top of the show. And, I, of course, I want you to touch on Umami Ellen, Goldman, and uh, Matchajek. Hopefully uh, we've said uh, that last name correct. Uh, but I asked him this, and I want to know from you, because from a reporter's point of view, you actually have to do this. Are you having fun deciphering Matt Rule's tweets? Yeah, I don't even try anymore because I, <laughs> yeah. I lost the ability to have any idea what he's talking about. So <clears throat> I think at this point he's just having fun with everybody, like just <laughs> finding like the most random emojis uh, available and putting them all together and uh, acting like there's some sort of code to crack there. But uh, they've been on a they've been on a pretty torrid pace here. I can't remember how many editions they've had since like early December, but um, it's been pretty incredible. And I guess that's. That's the nature of the beast, especially in Nebraska's situation where you know, there's always going to be more turnover during a coaching change. But then you pair that with um, you know, the, the new portal era. Um, the, the roster movement has never been greater than it is right now, um, at least certainly for Nebraska. So uh, it's been a wild, wild ride here. But um, you know, they, uh, they've done, done a lot of work. And then obviously uh, colleague Steve Sipple, uh, you know, he broke last night that Casey Thompson's coming back. Mm-hmm. And so that quarterback room just got real interesting, um, you know, with him coming back, presuming to be the starter. You know, there's there's uh, going to be an interesting offseason ahead, even with, uh, you know, all the, the remaining additions that need to be made, um, you know, especially with Casey. Uh, you know, we'll see how much he's even able to do uh, in, the, in the spring. Um you know, there's there's going to be some fun storylines to follow even after all this uh, um, comings and goings uh, wrap up. So, Robert, you said something I was following along with you last week that really uh, resonated with me just because I always talk about speaking things into existence. And this one was about football where I was like, man, you know, I wish I would Nebraska would just call themselves out loud a developmental program because I think we acknowledge those things out loud and you, you kind of just subconsciously work towards that, right? You were talking about Nebraska basketball and flipping an identity. And all off season, we heard, hey, defensive-minded, you know, we want to be able to get some stops, we want to be a little bigger, we want to rebound the basketball better. And I think out loud we said, man, can they really kind of change the culture overnight? And you were talking about two things, right? Obviously, coach staff additions, right, defensive-minded helps – but grabbing personnel that fits the mantra, too, has really served this team well. Is it understated because, you know, they don't have double-digit wins, or is it very much appreciated because they are where they are, record, record aside? Yeah, I think the, you know, from the general Nebraska basketball fan standpoint, this 
product is significantly more enjoyable, even with the record being what it is, um, you know, and some of the, the disappointing performances uh, sprinkled in with the, the high points. Uh, the overall body of work so far is something that I think everyone can get behind a lot more than what had been going on the last three years. And, uh, you know, Nebraska fans, they appreciate effort. They appreciate defense. They appreciate guys that are going to, um, you know, bring it night in, night out, and give them a product that they're going to be proud of. And so far, um, outside of a couple outliers, you know, that's that's been the case with this group. And you know, that was really what was so disappointing about uh, Kansas City. Um, that Kansas State game was that was really the first time where, from start to finish, they they got outworked, and you know, they weren't winning the 50-50 balls. They weren't making the hustle plays and um, playing the level of defense that uh, we had seen from them. Um, more often than not. So uh, they got to get back to that because that's the only way they stand a chance. They're too limited offensively, do not play elite level defense and win the majority of those, those winning plays that um, you know, have been the difference for them this season. So uh, we'll see how they bounce back. Um, they, they better be ready to play tonight. Um, Queens, people might scoff that off as a, a throwaway game, but if if you come in there and try to go through the motions against them, they're going to beat you because they play a style of basketball that um, is very conducive to mm-hmm. <laughs> making things difficult for you. They uh, play, they crash the boards um, after every shot. They're really aggressive on the offensive glass. They shoot threes really well, and they get to the free throw line at an extremely high rate. So um, Nebraska better be locked in. Otherwise, uh, they could <laughs> potentially find themselves in a very uh, – uh, Difficult situation going into the holiday. Who's guarding Die? I would imagine Bandamel. I mean, Ooh. he's the guy they put. Yeah, on he is the, a stopper. The, yeah, whoever whoever the best guard is, Bandamel is going to be on him. So um, he's been extremely good at that. Um, you know, as far as shutting down high level guards. So uh, that's that's where it's going to start. He's going to take the head of the snake, and if you know, again, if if he does his job, and you know the. They're jumping passing lanes and doing all that and playing the type of defense that they normally play. I think they're going to be in a good spot. But, you know, they, they got humbled in a big way where Kansas State basically beat them at their own game and beat them soundly. Interesting with that line only being 10, isn't it? Uh, I don't know. I thought 11, maybe moved to 10. But, um, again, that's they're, like, people won't, I think just don't know about Queens, but they're, they're tough. <laughs> and they beat a Marshall team that's only got two losses on the year. Oh, see, not, I was feeling good. Andrew and I were laughing. We love travel stories and driving, and now I'm like a little trepidation. <laughs> Look, I, in my in my preview story today, I picked Nebraska to win by 13, so I got him covered. Yeah, check out his preview story. That's the great Robin Washer. Thanks, Robin Washer. We appreciate your time. He is the Nebraska senior team writer for Husker Online. That's where you can find that. But coming up next, we wrap things up with our guy, Joel Lorenzi of the Omaha World-Herald. We'll get the inside scoop on Creighton basketball next on Coffee and Cream. Coffee and Cream with Rodgers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. We are back. Coffee and Cream in the morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers here with you as we are every morning, Monday through Friday, and we appreciate you joining us. It is our last segment of the hour, and I don't think there's a better way we can close it out than talking with our guy, Joel Lorenzi, Creighton beat writer for the Omaha World, the Herald. Joel, good morning. 
going on there? Joel was a he, he's he, even a little tired too. He, he, he well, he's a self-admitted non-morning guy, so we may be uh, getting him going early. Yeah, my um, my night ended probably like four hours ago. So, well, wait, what? Four hours just, ago? That, that, what? This is, that's, this is the life of basketball beat writer, man. <laughs> I, I've, I've come to accept it. There weren't. There wasn't even really anything good going on in the NBA. The Suns had dusted off the Lakers by halftime. You could have hit snooze. Well, yeah, but then you get to you get to watching games back that you missed, and um, games from a couple of days back, or um, you get to play in two K. I've actually found I, <laughs> you get to well, play in two K. You know, two K is like obviously it's like a great pastime for any who can. But I actually found like two K two K really helped me um, with like coverages and stuff, like in the weirdest way. Like it's really helped me <laughs> understand basketball more. Hey, I'm with Joel when he says that. I mean, 2K helps so much when it comes to things like that. But even like for me, like I used to practice broadcasting on 2K. Like I would mute the TV and I would actually broadcast the games. And it helped me learn a bunch of players in the NBA. It's kind of fire. I like that. Joel, it's something or nothing before we get to Creighton that a team that's in the 12 spot, my Lakers, with 13 wins, that's only six less than the team in the top spot, the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah, um, that 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 gap is is, is further than you think, Dane. Um, especially with with AD out, man. Like, it's, oh, for sure. Best. I mean, I watched that game the other night um, <clears throat> where they beat the Wizards um, by that by that loose ball, like mm-hmm. at the end of yeah. regulation, and that was a rough way to win. That's a tough way to lose for the Wizards. If they got to pull it out like that, I mean, granted, it's the Wizards. But if they got to pull out wins like that, um, it's going to be a rough month. <laughs> I'm, I'm fully prepared. I'm fully prepared to try to just be around the 11-10 spot in a month when he comes back, if that. Mm, well, you're going to be holding – you're going to have to hold on strong, man. I, <laughs> I, 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 I kind of gave up on them. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> man. Hey, Joel, let's, uh, let's talk Creighton here and uh, some – Parts of your story, uh, prior to the Marquette game, you had mentioned that Sharif Mitchell, Ryan Nemhard, both said this team needs to play with more heart and more will. And after what we saw at Marquette, um, it, it's pretty apparent we haven't seen strides in either uh, of those points. What, what's missing? What, what, what else can they do? They tried to speak it into existence. Now how do they actually get it? Yeah, um like you mentioned, no, no strides, right? Like we actually probably saw in that Marquette game, um, probably their peak in terms of just, uh, I hate to say it, but getting punked. Um, they got bumped off their spots quite a bit in that game. Um, and you saw that they were visibly uncomfortable as the game went on. And, um, you know, it started to affect their half court sets. Um, you could see the energy wasn't the same. And, um, I mean, during this past stretch of the, the six-game losing streak, like you've kind of seen performances like that where they're not dialed in for all the forty minutes. But for them to be like visibly bothered by the contact at a certain point and just fold under Marquette's defense, and Marquette was like a—they weren't even a top sixty defense. Like they were right outside the top sixty, which is still good relative to the country, but. 
Um, they played way better defenses than that, right? I mean, Arkansas was a top 10 defense when they knocked them off, and obviously they've shown themselves in the stretch. But um, for, for them to fold like that against that defense relative to the ones they've already seen, I mean, they've seen the country's best defenses. That really shocked me, man. It was a, it was a real low for them. Uh, Joel, more surprised in, in the style of the game, so keep that in context. Not So not necessarily the number 18 in terms of turnovers because that's way too many. But in a game in which there was a lot of touching and, and grabbing and, and, and knocking off of spots, Creighton only shot five free throws. So was it the lack of foul attempts or how the turnovers came that has got your attention the most? Um, the turnovers because yeah, I, I'm, I'm really, I really wasn't too surprised the free throws. I mean, maybe um, in any other game, any other day, the refs maybe call a couple of those, but a lot of those would be on the floor now with the shooter towels because they only reached a certain point. They didn't generate a lot of faint touches with the way they were playing. Um, and, and you saw, um, like, a lot of, like, in that first half, there's a lot of Baylor Sherman. Um, and so, in the second half, when they tried to get him going, um, and I thought that was weird because um, there's plenty of possessions where he tried to do it himself and, I guess, draw the defense. Um, even though they only needed one guy by the time the second half came around to, to really bother him. Um, and so you just saw these guys couldn't initiate the same and they weren't generating the paint touches. So I'm really not surprised at the free throws, but the turnovers mm. – the way you saw at points where there wasn't any movement and um, guys were, you know, watching Baylor Simon try to initiate and maybe not complicate his space or just, you know, lost um, after a certain point. Um, you mentioned how the turnovers, they kept getting worse. You mentioned how Marquette's defense looked like a top 20 defense opposed to around the 60 mark. And then you mentioned how, you know, taking down Arkansas, which was a top 10 defense. And it gets me back to thinking, you know, Creighton's defense here and how irreplaceable Ryan Kalkbrenner has become. And good on Frederick King. He's, he's been fantastic. He was given Big East Freshman of the Week honors. And I'm not trying to disregard him in any way by saying this, but how irreplaceable has Kalkbrenner become, especially defensively for this group, because Igadaro really f- had his way oh, with Creighton in that game. Yeah, and, and like you mentioned, kudos to Fred King because um, he was their best player in the last two games, probably. And uh, I don't know how many win I don't know how many wins you get with your freshman being the best player, but um, it. It worked out in his favor because when Carl Graham comes back, um, it's an interesting wrinkle now that they have a productive bench player. Um, but I and somebody asked this in my mailbag that I'm going to write today, um, so I haven't looked. Oh, but off the top of my head, um, I think Ryan Carlbrenner is like a top three most important player to his team in the entire country. Oh, well, there's your poll question, you Andrew. You see the on-off splits. You see, I mean, the eye test, man. Like you saw, like I don't think he'll be the he's the end all be all, and and that you know they'll be completely fixed when he comes back. But even in Fred King's, like people keep pointing to Fred King's numbers, but there's just some there's certain intangible things 
that Colt Winter does on possessions that Fred King just isn't capable of, not just because of his frame and the difference in wingspan and whatever, but because of the experience and um, Colt Winter's ability to drop big and, um, you know, as a roller, like the attention, he, he was shooting 76% before um, he stopped playing. Like the attention that he drives is is a whole game changer for them on offense. I, Andrew, I'll let you reset it, but full disclosure, I thought Andrew was being a little over the top with the poll question because one of the answers with Kalkbrenner, he said if he comes back and has success, is he the most important to his team? Uh, too many to tell, or I can't remember what the other one was. And I was I like, said, I said top ten for sure, like I, not the best or the I was, most. And I, I, at first blush, I was like, wow, really? But you're getting ready to support that, huh? Yeah, I mean, top ten easily. It's a wrap. Off the top of my head, I mean, I didn't think too far. I mean, after days of watching basketball, like you don't want to even think this deep, but. Um, I thought E off the top of my head um, is really important for Purdue's success. Um, I think Sonogo, I don't think Sonogo is more important because you see that team is super deep. They are they, way deep. It would change without him, but um, it, uh, the, the drop-off without Sonogo wouldn't be nearly as drastic, I think, as it has been for Creighton and Cogburn's absence. So I think he's for sure like top five most important player. I immediately think uh, Drew Timmy for Gonzaga, uh, which is in that discussion. That that is a lo- that is lofty discussion. Let me ask you real quick here in our last minute, Joel. If we concede that UConn is the best team in the Big East, are you are we really ready to say the next best team is St. John's, or is something else going to shake out between Providence and? We watched them the other night. I felt like that's a good basketball team. I don't want to believe in Marquette, but they play hard. Who, in your opinion, is the next best team in the Big East? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. The, the, first of all, the Xavier erasure is crazy. <laughs> uh, can't do that. And then Marquette. Marquette. Now, obviously, they pummeled a, a, a clearly different crazy team than we saw a month ago. Mm-hmm. But Marquette ain't no punk either, man. Like, they got something <laughs> brewing over there. They got probably – arguably the best win in the conference with the way they whooped Baylor a few weeks back. So um, I think they're they're serious, man. I I think they could – I gave Providence the nod over Xavier because they just beat Xavier. Providence, man, Providence, that's Providence's best win by a mile. (laughs) I think think the biggest, man, like you kind of see that in the biggies where any team can lose on any given night. I got to see more for Providence. Oh, never disappoints, man. Well, we appreciate you, man. Thanks so much for joining the show this morning. All right, guys. Thank you. Hey, and thank you to all our listeners out there for joining as well. If you're itching for more, check out Morning Dump wherever you get your podcasts. Later on today, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal on Hale Varsity Radio. But until tomorrow, we'll see you on Coffee and Cream, powered by Currency.